on today's episode of the Bolts Broadcast. Sparty on. Stay tuned. Season 4, episode 47 of the Bullets Broadcast. Mike Mitchelson and Chase Crawshaw with you today. Chase, how are you on this lovely Sunday evening? I'm just chilling, you know, watching a little bit of a little bit of basketball over the weekend. Not a big basketball guy, but you know, not much compared to the NCAA tournament just, just because it, it's just it, it's what basketball should be, you know. It, it's it's emotions, it's passion, there's defense being played people are putting their body on the line as much as you can in basketball uh so it's it's always always fun to watch so other than that you know just haven't been doing too much had just easy kind of relaxing weekend which was nice how about you miguel uh you know it was pretty busy compared to my normal standard um a lot of the times i like to just chill get some good sleep, play some video games, you know, have a have a nice relaxing weekend. But our buddy Dave, he started at our same company uh, this past week. So this was the first full weekend of him being in town. And um, our buddy Austin came up from Louisville, and it, it was just a lot of stuff happening. So they actually just left probably about 5, 10 minutes ago, and now we're recording, 8.35 at night. Uh, it'll be a good recording nonetheless, but... The absolute best part of my day so far, Michigan State taking out Marquette. I know a lot of people were down on State this year. Fair enough. The team overall isn't the most talented team, but never, ever count out Mr. March, Tom Izzo. Yeah. You know, my, my only hopes of, like, so I, I'm, I'm just in one, like, March Madness, like, bracket challenge thing, whatever you're going to call it. Um, just like, like a family one. And like, I, I'm not some college basketball aficionado. I don't know, you know, every little team, every little cranny, but you know, I, I've got a general idea and my bracket this year, I was like, you know, let's, let's do something nifty. Um, not that it was that nifty because they were a higher seed. And I chose Mar- Marquette to win it all because like, eh, you know, it's still, still a number two seed though. It's, it's generally a one, two, three, sometimes four seeds end up putting this tournament. And, you know, the one seeds didn't feel like it this year. And, you know, Marquette just kind of coming in look, looked good. They looked solid, um, you know, through the first round. And then Michigan State was, you know, when they finally met up, said, yeah, time for you to kick rocks. And they almost blew that game, dude. I, I don't know how much of it you were watching, if at all. But they they had up to a 13-point lead at one point that they ended up blowing in the first half. Uh, it was really good back and forth. Uh, so my, my bracket's busted nonetheless. But, you know, I'm not going to be too upset because I, 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 I just burp, excuse me. I, I still would like to see Michigan State, um, you know, continue to have some success in the tourney because Tom Mizzo does do a very good job coaching these teams. Um, I think I saw a stat that he has the most, like, underdog wins in, um, like, NCAA tournament history, which is just crazy. Um, he, he always finds a way to get, get his teams to get up for the big games. So I, I hope they can keep on rolling. It'd be cool to see, you know, a seven seed really kind of put up a fight here. Yeah, and among all active college basketball coaches, only two have made 15 final, or not final four, excuse me, sweet 16s, 
that being Tom Izzo and the head coach of Kentucky. And if you don't know, Kentucky just lost to Kansas State. I think it was last night. So yeah. they are out of the tournament, which means uh, you know they're tied now. So Tom Izzo next year, once he gets Sweet, sweet 16 again, oh, he'll be top dog. Um, but I did, I was watching the whole game, and I don't know if they almost blew the game or if the refs were just... I mean, Marquette wasn't called for a foul the final nine minutes and 12 seconds of the first half, while seven were called on MSU in the last seven minutes, including six in a two-minute and 50-second span. It was a little ridiculous. We're watching over here, Austin. He's a Michigan fan, but Michigan not being in the tournament, he was rooting for state. Uh, He was not happy with some of the calls that were being made as well, which, you know, makes sense. But nonetheless, they clutched up, went huge. I, I think the biggest story of the whole tournament so far is Princeton. I mean, taking out number two, Arizona, number seven, Missouri, a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Wild. I, so you're not saying uh, fairly or fairly, whatever it is, Dickinson, the 16 seed is, is not the story of the tournament thus far? Uh, no, because they're not in the Sweet 16 yet. No, but they're playing right now. Um, I just tried to look at my TV because it was on, but that commercial, so I don't, I don't know what the score is. Uh, hopefully, they can get there because then they officially are. But yeah, I, I, I'm very, very shocked that both Princeton and FDU, um, you know, like snuck out of the first round because, like, really, they were both facing two of the, you know, two, two of the general favorites to get through the tournament. So just to see it kind of work out this way, it's super exciting. It's what makes this tournament so fun is that, you know, there's always these random upsets it's every single year. There's plenty of teams that have nothing to lose. And there's plenty of top teams that have all the pressure on them because they know they're playing teams that have nothing to lose. So it causes these funky upsets and it, it really just makes it such a spectacle. Yeah. FAU is currently up 11 with six minutes left in the, in the first. So, okay. Uh, still okay. plenty of game time, but there is uh, we're FAU fans here today, by the way. I work with a lot of Purdue fans, a lot of Purdue alum. Oh yeah. And uh I on Friday I was talking to Adam and he was like, dude, there should be no way Purdue loses to FDU. They're the shortest team in the tournament. There's no shot we lose to them. They're sure the shortest enough. team in college basketball in general. Sure enough, they do. <laughs> and I, I've been seeing people say this is the worst team to ever make it into the tournament. So to see that was absolutely embarrassing. So, so they only made it on technicality. Um, whatever conference they're in right now, I can't remember. Um, but th- there's some NCAA rule where once if you get promoted um, your first year, which I think this is a stupid rule. I've seen this across many sports. I've dealt with it personally um, in hockey. But like your your first year at you know at, at NCAA Division One. Um, you can't qualify for for the, for the tournament. No matter how you could go undefeated, you still can't qualify. And whoever it was, I can't remember. They won the conference championship, so they still had the automatic bid. But FDU was the runner up there, so they got it instead. Since the, since the winner of the conference couldn't make it, so they got in on like a technicality, and they beat the number one seed. Mm-hmm. Embarrassing. Well, I'll keep everyone up to date on the score as we go through the episode. At least at least us, Chase, because everyone will yeah. know the results by the time this is out but uh this is a hockey show nonetheless so let's do that hockey and on today's episode we are going to be talking about uh the dominant season 
we're seeing yet again out of Nikita Kucherov, the inaugural Tampa Hall of Fame ceremony, as well as a little game review game preview after the commercial break. Talk about some news from around the league. Talk about some college hockey as well as Connor Bedard. We continue to talk about the number one draft prospect for a reason. You'll know more later on in the show. Let's start off Nikita Kucherov having one hell of a season. I mean, we've known what an offensive dynamo he's been, and he just continues at a great pace. Yeah, so he finally, or I don't know if I the right word, but you know, he, he broke the 100-point, um, you know, the, the century mark for for the season, which it felt inevitable, you know, the, the way he's been playing, the way the season's gone. But finally does happen, so hats off to Cooch. I mean, he's just been a force in this league. Basically, since he stepped in, you know, it was a little bit of adjustment his first year in, but by the time year two came around, he started really picking up, and then he dominated, you know, by year three, year four. And he's just been kind of rolling ever since, so... Picks up point number 100 um, in, in today's game that's going on at the moment. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to give you more updates as that's going on. But obviously, you guys will know the final score before we do. But he gets that 100 point. Um, hats off to Cooch. He's he, he's just going to keep rolling. It's, that's his third one of his career. Uh, you know, he's still got enough run left. He's only 29 years old. I, I, he could have four or five more of these in him, which would be super cool to see. Yeah, I mean, him and Braden Point really just firing on all cylinders when they're able to stay healthy, stay in the lineup, and uh, really just do their thing. They've been going crazy. Steven Samko's had an amazing first half of the season. It's slowed down a little bit. He's hovering around that 70-point mark, which is still fantastic. You love to see that out of the captain. But, I mean, when you're looking for the pure offensive firepower, Kucherov is it, and then Braden points at number two guy. Yeah, he, he is for sure. And then, you know, hats off to Brandon Hagel for the season he's having as well. He, he, we you know, be mistaken to not mention him. But as I was looking at the numbers, just to, you know, like kind of get, like, if, you know, a further understanding of where we're standing right now, I just realized that Sam Coast, uh coming into this game at least, minus three on the year, even though he's over a point per game and we're – you know, one of the better teams in the league in general. Um, you know, there's some other guys that are lower in plus minus two, like like Corey Perry's minus 24. Um, but to see Stammer that you know at that number, where you look at you know like Cooch and Point are plus three, plus five. Brandon Hangles plus 23. Um, it's a bit surprising. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've talked about the rough stretch that we've had over the last little bit, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. But, um we fully expect them to continue on, do well, make the playoffs, have a decent little run out of them. Uh, one thing I've noticed, Chase, and I'm getting a little off track here, but just looking at the scores tonight, there's been so many nights where I've just seen such lopsided games. For example, Boston beating Buffalo 7 to nothing. I've noticed that with Buffalo quite a bit. They're a team that can look really good on nights, and then they'll show up or should I say they won't show up because yeah. I remember when we bet on them over Dallas or at least within like a, a 1.5 uh, plus 1.5 for Buffalo, Dallas beat them like 11 to four. So for some reason, Buffalo has that a lot. And then I'm looking New York versus Nashville. New York's up seven, nothing. And the third period hasn't even started yet. Just like it's, it's just crazy. It, like scoring is is 
up and uh, in general and a lot of that's things Connor McDavid doing what he's doing but in general scoring is still up on average um over you know over the last few years it's just been kind of sitting higher than previous years so it's it's cool to see but when you know when that happens you expect both teams to be scoring you don't expect maybe four to three games not seven to nothing games uh so it, it is a bit surprising and like as you mentioned Buffalo they've won games that way too like whenever Tate Thompson scores he he gets a hat trick and they always win those games like like six to one. So it's, they either work a team or they get worked. It seems like, so it's, it has been really strange this year. I feel like we've seen a lot more blow blowouts than normal for sure. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I like the scoring, but I'd much rather see it be four to three rather than, you know, seven, nothing blowouts. Um, but me saying this by no means take it as let's go back to the days where Jamie Ben won the heart with only 87 points. That was horrible. I'm not. I'm not in for that. So, uh, all right. Let's now talk about the inaugural Tampa Hall of Fame ceremony. I hate when you do this. Sounds like you're you're gonna freaking continue talking. And and on a, on a I said I said ceremony. You said ceremony, and I thought you were gonna keep going. Ceremony. But anyway, shut up. Uh, as we mentioned, I don't know however many episodes it was ago, and as I'm sure. Fans are aware uh, the inaugural class was Phil Esposito, Martin St. Louis, and Vinny LeCavier. So did the induction ceremony. Um, it was nice to have, you know, nice to have, excuse me, sorry, I had something in my mouth. Um, Montreal came to town, so we, we were able to have Martin St. Louis around. Um, you know, Vinny, like we were, able, we were able to have all the guys around, which was um, very cool. Montreal alumni came, celebrated the occasion. Um, you know, so in the future, we're going to see more and more names go into this, into this class, which will be cool. Um, it's, it's just cool that we can finally honor these guys and especially St. Louis and Le Cavier. So the two only, uh, Tampa Bay players with their numbers retired at the moment. And they're, they're really just the only two that are deserving at this point. Obviously there's some guys on the roster that are going to get there, but nonetheless, they, you know, they did so much for this organization when they played. Uh, it's awesome that we got to honor them that way. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw, but the game against Montreal, one of the Tampa fans, I think it was a, a young lady. Yeah. She tried to take a pick yeah. with Martin St. Louis and, uh, you know, I get it. He's in action. He's coaching at that point in time. So maybe it's not necessary, but the girl was just wondering if you get a picture and he said, no, I, I think it was on intermission too. So, I mean, a little tough, but like, a. uh, you know, commercial intermission, I mean, but little tough, yeah, I, but I, I, I'm not blaming the guy. I, I wouldn't expect him to do that just because like, even if it is a commercial break, it's, you're still in the middle of a game. If you go and acknowledge that, and then all of a sudden you see 15 more people trying to do it. And like, that's just going to cause a distraction and the stands cause a distraction to, to your team. So I, I, you know, I, I'm, I can understand why he's doing that. And I'm happy he's not getting attacked online because seems like people want to attack all, people all the time for doing something like that. Um, and I'm glad that people are realizing, you know, it was in the middle of the game. Uh, like he, he just doesn't want to be distracted. So I, I'm, I'm just overall happy that he's not getting like, you know, backlash, lash mm-hmm. back. What the hell's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's uh, a good point you make there. A lot of people would take that a one, one time situation of if he actually did take the picture, he would, you know, then get bombarded by a lot of people. So I think you make a good point there. Um, just unfortunate for a young fan that I'm sure uh, loved watching Marty when he was in 
the blue and black. But for sure, let's talk about games now. Uh, we got the New Jersey Devils Thursday night. It was yet another win. We won our first match against them just a couple of days before, and now we win our second. Right now, we're down Sunday night, but the first game, or the second game of the series, we won that one. And since we're kind of lumping both together, since we're not going to have the final by the time we're done, and I I mentioned this, I feel like we're going to get one more win and we'll probably drop one somewhere. So right now we're looking like it's on track for that. But it was good to get the win. Went to a shootout, so we gave gave them an extra point. And I, I you know, I, I want to do a whole episode um, just going over why I hate this the current point system in the NHL. But now I'm going to go into it right now. I've gone into it before. So New Jersey gets the invisible point out of this, where Tampa ends up with two. But good to come out with a win. Um, you know, we got to see newly acquired Timo Meyer, you know, get get a couple there in the back of the net. So it, it was it, it was a fun game overall, um, four to three. You know how we, how we kind of mentioned that score that we want to see. That's exactly what this was here. Absolutely. And then we had Montreal as well. We briefly talked about it. Martin Saint Louis in the building. Uh, this one didn't really turn out well for Martin Saint Louis and his Canadians, as Mont or as Tampa really controlled the pace of the game as well as took the game five to three. And. Again, it's what we expected. Uh, Brian Elliott got the start. Didn't have a very great effort as he's really at the end of his career here. Um, hopefully Tampa looks to go in a different direction for a backup next year because it's it's a little spooky sometimes when Elliott plays even against the lower end teams. But Tampa comes out with a win. Team played well in front of them. Nearly doubled them in shots. Uh, just a very, very quality team effort. Um, you know, at, at one point, Montreal did hold the lead. And then Tampa had a, had a strong third period to kind of take that back. Brandon Hagel just continuing rolling through uh, with this great season he's having with a hat trick. He's just this. It, it, it it's very warming to know what we gave up for him and to see him, you know, producing the way he is because there was a couple, a couple scary moments last year when he just was, you know, it, it, where the scoring wasn't happening as much as you would hope based on what he was doing in Chicago and what we gave up. So he's finally making it worth that price um, should be a awesome player for us going to the playoffs as you know, coming, Coming out of this game, 27 goals on the year, just about a point per game. Absolutely. Should be hitting that 30-goal mark uh, pretty soon here, which would be great. And then you mentioned New Jersey. They're currently leading Tampa 3-2 to two in tonight's game. It's the end of the second. Still a period left to play, but right now New Jersey's just controlling the pace, out shooting the Lightning by 11 score. Luckily, it's close. Uh, and, and hopefully Tampa can capitalize on the opportunities that they get, but they need to start playing better here in the third. If so, they might be able to get three in a row, four in a row. Yeah, for, for all that, that'd be nice. Uh, and, and Tampa did have a two goal lead in this game, kind of kind of pissed away it a little bit as New Jersey got three. So New Jersey's got the momentum, but starting the third period with, with like just under a minute left, I think it is on the peeper. It'd be cool to see him get something done. Yeah, only game to talk about in advance. Another one against Montreal. This is going to be on Tuesday. This one in Montreal. I mean, we just beat them with Brian Elliott in that. They're sitting one seven and two in their last ten. This is a team that is in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. So another one I expect Tampa to win. Yeah, I, I just exact same boat here. It'd be disappointing if they lose this one right now, um, 3-0 on the season series. So it'd be nice to get the sweep, and I fully expect to get the sweep. So if, if this is a game where we you know lose a couple of standing points, it really would be a shame. 
Absolutely. All right, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. Say hello to our friends over at DraftKings. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and unbelievable action from the DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Michigan State versus USC, 7 versus 10. Give me State because we all know Tom Izzo is March. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. And unfortunate news, Chase, is there will be no live betting this episode because as you know deposited 20 bucks a while back ago and i said hey if i run out then i run out and i'm done and well the last 78 cents went down the drain with a marquette loss today Uh, i do have one open bet still but that's gonna have to wait for the nfl draft because that's stetson bennett going in the sixth round other than that, account is sitting at zero, which means unless unless our friends over at DraftKings want to help me out a little bit, I am done sports betting. Well, you might be done, but Chase is not because Chase was sitting at zero after you know a, a big or a bad stretch as well. But you know, or I should say, I had nine bucks and then i got it down to zero because i split four different bets two dollars 25 cents a pop for every 16 seed individually to win and we know what happened there so i got a nice little payday for for those odds thanks to fdu so i got some money sitting in the account now here's what we're gonna do michael we're going to look at the nhl slate i'd like to do you know march madness but it's not really gonna be an option because we we don't know what's going on in these games i could do some but we're we're not even gonna bother because it's a little bit far down the road so we're going to go over tomorrow's NHL action. We have Florida at Detroit, Ottawa at Pittsburgh, Chicago at Colorado, San Jose at Edmonton, and Calgary at LA. And we're, we're going we're gonna to make a little parlay here. Sound good? Okay. Go ahead. All right. So I, I haven't made this yet. So this is kind of coming off the dome here. Um, ooh, that's an interesting one. So I'm going to start with the... Oh man, we're we're gonna pass on Red Wings uh, four to one for now. Then we're we're gonna do the Pittsburgh Ottawa Senators game. I am going to take Pittsburgh minus one and a half, uh, and then Chicago Colorado. That's a two and a half point spread that I'm, that I'm getting right now on this one. I think I'm gonna take the over six goals though. So that way, if it hits six exactly, I'll, I'll at least get that bet to push. I'm going to take Edmonton money line against San Jose. And then I am going to finish that off with, ooh, all right. 
Calgary, LA, over or under six goals. Six goals flat is the number. So six goals would be a push. Uh, go over then. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take the over on that. So that go. that gives me um you know just like it gives gives me pretty high odds just just about plus one thousand where things are sitting right now. So we're just gonna sprinkle you know a couple bucks on there. Let's just let's go. I don't know. We'll we'll go four dollars and twenty five cents. Just because I'm at I'm at a weird number in bank account, so that'll get me down to to a round number. So that that'll have a nice little payday. We'll be rooting for that one. Hopefully. Hopefully listeners kind of join along or join along and hop on for the ride, whatever the words I'm looking for. My words are just like, I know what I want to say today, but the words just aren't like there. I don't know. What are the odds on that one? What's, what's the payout if it hits? So my $4 would pay me 4681 at the moment. Okay. Or 425. Not bad. Not bad. I'll take it. I guess Chase could also revive my, uh, my, my DraftKings account, but uh, I'm hoping Stetson Bennett does as well. Because I can turn five dollars into like twenty dollars and fifty cents if Sesson Bennett goes in the sixth round, which I feel pretty I feel pretty good about, honestly. Sesson Bennett That's in the sixth sounds right. Like to try to guess a specific round for a day three pick, that's I feel like there'd be better like higher odds for that. Like that, yeah. that seems low. Yeah. Interesting. I'll I'll pull my app back up and get the exact um odds on that one because i agree it was plus 350 that's it i'm surprised it wasn't more in the plus like 500 range yeah all right well let's talk about devin levi we talked about him in our last episode little hobie baker finalist he signs his elc with buffalo yeah and this you know this is of note because he is a a very prominent goaltender someone who's going to have uh, barring something crazy and, and you know a bit of a regression at least a solid NHL career I you know maybe he's not some Andre Vasilevsky but I, I think he's you know well on track to be at least a very good um, 1B uh, between him and, and UPL I think Buffalo has a really nice goaltending duo going forward and as you said he is a Hobie Baker finalist we'll see what happens when it comes time for that award be cool to see him potentially win it I obviously want to see Adam Fantilli win it though I'd like to see the draft eligible guy get it but i think levi is someone that that is in contention so i wonder if we'll see him get any nhl games here down the stretch um it's an option but i kind of feel like he'll just finish off the year with rochester yeah like levi and he's continued to play really well in the college landscape i have this question for you uka pekalukunen a guy who has uh been a tremendous prospect for the sabers he's playing full-time now and I wouldn't say he's had the best start to his young career, but still a promising goaltender. At this point in time, who could you see as, you know, the guy in three, four years from this point? You think UPL is still there? He's still that guy? Or do you think maybe Devin Levi's recent performance and, uh, you know, great success in college can kind of catapult him and being maybe slightly better of a talent than UPL? So if, if it's going to be these two guys in Buffalo for the next three, four years, I think UPL is going to end up getting the advantage. I, I just, I really like his talent. I saw him a lot and when he was with Sudbury in the OHL. Um, I, I just, I think he's, I think he's really good. I think he's really trustworthy. He's the only reason they won, you know, not the only reason, but he is like the biggest reason that they won games. Um, the, se- the seasons that I got to see him play, he just did a tremendous job for him. So 
I, I think he just he's got the talent to really succeed. Uh, just needs to find you know find his footing a little bit. It takes a while for goalies to kind of come in and do well, and the goalies that come in and do well early on often end up slipping up a little bit. So just be patient, Buffalo fans. I think you got a good one there. I think you have two good ones really, but I, I think UPL is going to be you know maybe not a top five one league, but I, I could, he's going to be at least top half. I would say. Yeah, an exciting tandem out there in Buffalo. And before we move on to talk about some college hockey, I was scrolling through the DraftKings Sportsbook and found a prop for the 2023 NFL Draft. And just curious, who do you think would be drafted earlier, Zay Flowers or Jalen Hyatt? Oh, I, I love these props. I, 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 I enjoy these. I, it's, I think it's going um, Zay Flowers, honestly. I feel like he's more loved in NFL circles. Okay. So I think it's very close, and I very well could see Jalen Hyatt being the one that gets drafted earlier. So I'm kind of shocked by the odds on these because Zay Flowers is minus 400, while Jalen Hyatt's plus 300. Ooh. So... I. I- I know he's favored in NFL circles, but like that's that's a large difference. Where yeah. like if Jalen Hyatt hits, like that, I think he's gonna be good. That that's almost as big of a gap as who will be drafted earlier between Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison, which I feel like Smith and Jigba has really separated himself as that number one guy, and he's minus four twenty five compared to Addison's plus three thirty. So that Zay Flowers Jalen Hyatt is pretty much the same odds and I feel like because Jalen Hyatt's the Bolitnikoff winner and I think that people are going there's going to be a team that likes him I mean we saw Philly like Jalen Rager and I think there's a real chance that Hyatt goes before Zay Flowers I mean look at Jahan Dotson he was one of those guys as well and and he went before uh some of these other guys I think he went before like Traylon Burks so he did some craziness yeah, I, there. I, if you're betting on the NFL draft and you're you're using these lines here, the DraftKings are giving you. There's no point in taking these heavy favorites. And just if you're betting on anything in general, unless you've got a ton of money to work with, there's not much point in taking these heavy favorites straight up because, you know, if if I if I bet five dollars to, to make a one dollar profit, like the risk just really isn't worth it. So. If you're going to do this, just put a couple bucks on the underdog or parlay a couple of the favorites to at least, you know, strengthen your odds a little bit. That's just my recommendation there. Absolutely. All right, Chase, let's now move on to the college men's hockey bracket being released. Yeah, so this just happened today, uh, 6.30 Eastern time. I got to see it happen in live time. Um, I, I always love this tournament. The NCAA tournament for any sport is fun. Uh, you know, especially basketball and hockey. I, I really enjoy those two. And now that we're going to see what happens with the football, football is going to be enjoyable as well. But nonetheless, um, you know, we, we see top seed Minnesota. Uh, they're taking on Canisius. And then we, on the same part of the bracket, we see St. Cloud State, Minnesota State. I fully expect Minnesota to get through this one. Um, I to pick who I think is going to be, um, you know, like the, the two moving on from each game, I would say both Minnesota and Minnesota State. But yeah, I, I could see a way where St. Cloud State gets out of there. But I expect Minnesota to find their way in the Final Four. Uh, when we go on to the number two seed, we got Quinnipiac against Merrimack, and then Harvard versus Ohio State. I'm expecting a Quinnipiac 
Harvard final here, or like I guess final outside of that bracket um, for the Elite Eight. I, I that's just what makes sense, and I think Harvard could sneak that one out. I, I really do. Um, these Ivy League schools, they they have you know solid chances to to do a good job, and I think Harvard's got enough talent go down there where they might be able to squeak her out. The the next part of the bracket, you have number three Michigan taking on Colgate and Penn State versus Michigan Tech. I think we're going to see a battle of Michigan schools here. Uh, we see, I think we see U of M come out on top in this one. Uh, all said and done, but Michigan Tech, there's a lot of talent there. That there's, you know, there's some legitimate top end college players, but Michigan, the amount of first round draft picks they have, the amount of draft picks in general they have, and the upcoming second or third overall pick and and of Fantilli and who should be the Hobie Baker winner, going to kind of help elevate them. And then finishing off um, the other part of the bracket, you got Denver Cornell, and then Boston uh, University against Western Michigan. And this one, again, I, I think Denver's going to get through. I think Cornell's got a shot, but I, I am going to go with Denver. And I think WMU, Western Michigan, gets out of, out of the other part of this bracket. They, they've got a lot of talent. They've got some of the top scorers in the nation. They've, they've got some legitimate NHL free agents. Uh, they, they've got some some guys that are sniffing around the Hobie Baker. So uh, that, that should be a fun part of the bracket. Uh, you know, I'll I'll let you comment on this and your thoughts on you know where I'm at, but then I'll I'll give you my um my overall winner all said and done. Yeah, a lot of Michigan teams in this one, and a lot yeah. of people expected uh, U of M to do really well last year, if not win it all. And we saw that wasn't the case. Michigan only the number three seed coming into this one, but I I think they're still a team that they have all the pieces there, and if they just perform then they can be that team to take it all. So I'm curious to see who you have. Um, Also curious on how good Minnesota is as that number one seed. Are they like far and away the number one seed or was Quinnipiac and Michigan like right there with them? So we saw Michigan end up, um, you know, doing well in the big 10 championship. ended up squeezing that out. So Minnesota is, Definitely the number one team in the country, but Michigan should have at least been the number two, in my opinion. Not that two and three is a big difference, but I, I'd say they're at least number two, and I could have made the argument for number one. So Minnesota is very good, but I still think that Michigan's, you know, I, I, probably at least the second best team. So coming out of, you know, where, where I had the final four, I was, you know, saying Minnesota and, you know, between Denver and, and Western, whichever one I think, I. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say Denver. I want to pick Western, but I, I just feel like Denver comes out of that. And then Michigan, of course. And, you know, I, I do think Harvard actually gets out of there and I'm expecting a Minnesota Michigan final for a big 10 championship. And I do maybe a little bias. I don't know, but I do think Michigan wins this one. When you look at the guys that returned from last season, they know what happened. They know the disappointment. They know they were the favorites. They know they should have won it all. And it went so poorly and they really flopped. So I, I think that these guys have their chip on their shoulder, realizing what they missed out on last year, and like this is the year to do it. They, they're going to have a ton of guys leaving for the NHL. Five, six guys are be signing NHL contracts this year. Got guys graduating. Uh, so it, I, I, I don't see how they don't keep that in mind and just go on an absolute run here. So I am picking U of M to win the college hockey national championship this year. And U of M's got to do it because at this point you look at all of their sports and it seems they're known for for being very good but never great I mean the last two college football playoffs we saw Michigan lose in the first round then the basketball tournament the March Madness they can't even squeak their way into it 
And now here again, Michigan, one of the favorites in the Frozen Four. Are they able to step up and get it done? Last year they couldn't. Hopefully this year that that changes. But, you know, as, as a Sparty fan, I still like to see teams within Michigan to have success. And I think it's very different from football. Uh, hockey is because hockey, I mean, Michigan's just got such great players and Michigan state, you know, they've got some legacy in their, in their hockey, um, field, but it's not, they're not really as competitive as the likes of Michigan. They don't get the recruits as the likes of Michigan. So, uh, I do tend to root for Michigan a little bit more in hockey than I would in football. So I'd like to see them get it done. They got a lot of talented players, but they really got to beat that stigma that is surrounding all Michigan sports right now. I would kill to see a Western Michigan versus Michigan final because I, I know my brother, WMU grad, is still very upset at uh, – it was during COVID where Michigan, a lot of their top guys were out with COVID, and they had enough to field a roster and play the game still, but they chose to not play the game against Western Michigan, who was rolling at the time. You know, my brother claimed, oh, they were afraid. So I, I would love to see that matchup so my brother could – you know, see once and for all that Michigan really is is the better team here, and Western. You know, went on a nice run, but but you can't beat U of M, baby. Yeah, but at the same time, if Western happened to pull that one out, the oh, amount of trash so talk you would hear from Tyler and Cam would be unreal. It'd be very annoying. All right, let's end this episode off with a little Connor Bedard. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys have heard about this kid. Um, he's putting up some solid numbers playing junior hockey right now. Um, you know, he, he's only 17 years old, so maybe you haven't heard of him. But, you know, through all of his competition at the time this tweet was created, which was March 17th, he had played in 60 games. That's through junior. That's through the World Junior Championships. It's through everything he participated in. And in those 60 games, he had 75 goals and 157 points. And here's a little little breakdown of how all of his games have gone. So this is the number of points he had and how many times that happened in a game. So he had five zero-point games, 14 one-point games, 13 two-point games, 10 three-point games, seven four-point games, eight five-point games, two six-point games, and one seven-point game. So based on what you just heard, he had more. Uh, of Basically of one, two, three, four, and five-point games, um, then he had zero-point games. Six and seven, he did not, uh, which, you know, if he did, that would just be absolutely stupid. But he had more five-point games than he had zero-point games. Like, like how, how the hell does this happen? And if you want even more of, of a breakdown on, you know, uh, how, how just kind of nuts this all is, remember, 60 games, so it's zero points, again, five of them where he had one or more points in 55 of them, two or more points in 41 of them, three or more points in 28 of them, four or more points in 18 of them, five or more points in 11 of them, six or more points in three of them, and then seven or more in the one, which like, is just, it, it just, it, it's it's crazy. It's unfair. This, this is a child who dominated the world junior scene, who's dominated in WHL. He's beating Crosby's numbers. He's beating McDavid's numbers. He's just tearing it up. Basically, the only numbers he's not beating are Mario Lemieux, and those will never be beaten. But he, he's just dominated for a kid who doesn't even turn 17 until after the draft, or turn 18, excuse me. It's like he's one of the younger guys to do this, one of the younger first overall picks that you're ever going to see because the first overall picks tend to be older players because at that age, you know, a couple months can can make a huge difference. So the fact that he's doing it as of July birthday, like he's just rolling. It, it's really incredible to see. 
he's building up so much hype for himself going into the NHL draft. He's going to go first overall, of course. He's setting very high expectations, and people are setting them as well. But we saw more recently in hockey, you know, like someone like Connor McDavid, who was doing the same type of thing, he met those expectations, and I fully believe Connor Bedard will do the same. You know what's wild about this whole situation? What's that? As of last year, as of coming into this upcoming season, there was a, a pretty decent sized gap between Connor Bedard and then the likes of Adam Fantilli, Matt Fabishkov, Leo Carlson, those type of guys. There's a pretty decent sized gap. Everyone thought Connor Bedard would be that number one guy. And then this year, we see Adam Fantilli having a fantastic season in Michigan. We see Matt Mishkov. He's finally getting utilized over in Russia, and he's looking insane, looking like a dominant force. Leo Carlson's been having a good season as well, really raising his draft stock. All three of these guys are playing fantastic, raising their draft stock, yet the gap has continued to increase. Connor Bedard has been doing so much better that he's by far and away now the number one pick versus... You know, a couple months ago, he was far and away. Now it's by far and away. All of these guys are just stepping up to unbelievable heights. Connor Bedard, most certainly, though, he is that guy. Yeah, dude, it's it, it's it's so fun to watch. It, it really is. Like, you know, I, we like we've talked about it before, like you should, at least you and me personally. We're seeing the change in the guard here. Um, you know, some of these guys we grew up watching are moving on. Uh, you know, Crosby, Ovechkin, these guys are getting old. But this new wave of players that we're seeing come in, especially being you know avid hockey fans, still, like, it, it's super exciting watching Connor McDavid do what he does. You know, someone who's our age watching Connor Bedard, who is almost eight years younger than you are, Mike, doing what what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it, did that make you feel old? I mean, you're old. So. I'm still younger than you, haha. Not even 25 yet, but still really like, old, it's, haha. Nah, you're even older, haha. <laughs> but it's it's just it's crazy to watch what they're doing. It's so much fun. So the change in the guard seems sad at first, but when you realize how this guard is changing and, and what they're kind of changing into, it's it's so much fun. Hey, excuse me. Listen to your elders here for a second. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think. So these last couple of draft classes, there's been some good, there's been some bad. I think when you look at Adam Fantilli and Matt Mishkov and what they've done this year, and especially if Matt Mishkov didn't have the contract running until he was 21 years old, let's say he could come over now. I think Fantilli and Mishkov would probably be the one and two in most of these recent drafts, and Connor Bedard still being head and shoulders above these guys is crazy. So I'm going to... We're going to go back year by year on like, up until the Connor McDavid draft. Last year, like, absolutely. We all know. He smoked Slavkovsky. I said last year, absolutely. They smoked Slavkovsky. Yeah, both both of them do. So yeah. both both Mishkov and Fantilli are safely, safely, safely the number one picks. And Fantilli played in the NHL last year if, if he's drafted, honestly. If he was a little bit older, like he would have been draft eligible, he would have played in the NHL, like just without a doubt. So we'll go back to the 2021 draft. Who, who the hell is that? That's, that's Owen Power. Again, yeah, again. both those guys, yeah, like Owen Power is great. He's going to be a very good NHL defenseman. Adam Fantilli and Matthew Mishkov have all the potential to be legitimate top scorers in this league. Not not top scorers in the team, top scorers in the league. Mm-hmm. Go back to 2020, 
Lexi Lafreniere, even at the time, both these guys would still go over him. His, we've seen how his career has played out. He's still, they still both would go over him at, at the time. Yep. Um, I, I don't know what you, I don't know what you think on that one. I, I think I would agree there. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere had a lot of hype. I think coming into his draft season. However, I think as his draft season progressed, I don't yeah. think the hype increased that much. Versus Fantilli Mishkov, their hype has increased. It's just been overshadowed by Bedard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so now we'd be going back to 2019 draft. Jack Hughes. This is, yeah. That, so these these couple drafts here, these like this one and the and the one that'll be before, it is where I kind of have questions. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I, I think, as prospects, Fantilli and Mishkov are still probably above Jack Hughes, but I don't know. Like that, that's it, it's very close in terms of. If I give them both benefit of the doubt, this is the closest that they would take, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that you could still have Jack Hughes over Fantilli and Mishkov in this one, but I think, no doubt, they would be the number two. I mean, Capococco, good player, yeah. but uh, doesn't really compare to these two other guys. I think Jack Hughes really in that same realm that these two are. Yeah, I would agree. And Capococco, even his draft year, had had Austin Statline and looked very good, and he was deserving that number two pick. Some people thought number one, but those people were crazy. Jack Hughes clearly deserved the number one, but yeah, I, I agree they'd at minimum be number two. And then 2018, I would I, I would take Dalian over both of them honestly, just because I saw the potential of Dalian. I I saw the talent there in Sweden. He's a defenseman. We don't see a ton of defensemen go over first overall anymore, especially ones that have the skill set that he did at the time. And yeah, we see what Fantilli and Mishkov brought now, but yeah. I thought Darlene was going to be like sealing a top three defenseman in the league at the time he was drafted. And I still think that exists. So I still think I would take him over both of them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I could see a case where Fantilli could potentially go over Darlene because he is that center. Um, but I think that's very fair. I feel like both would probably go over Svechnikov, though. Looking back at it now, knowing where Svechnikov is, like, the guy's fantastic. But I think coming into the draft, there's a little bit more of a question mark on, you know, there's Rasmus Dahlin, of course, but then who's that next guy? Is it Svechnikov? Is it Kachuk? Is it, you know, Philip Zadina? There was some question marks, I think, enough for Fantilli and Mishkov to take that jump over Svech. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And Andre Svechkov was awesome in junior. He, he was drafted out of the OHL, and he was awesome. But I, I would definitely give them benefit out there. We're not even waiting for time in 2017, so yeah. we're going to go to 2016, 2015 to talk about both of those. I would take McDavid and Matthews over both of them as prospects. Agreed. Got I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, 2017, we're going to pretend that draft doesn't exist. I mean, it, there's still some very good players on the draft. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, Elias Pedersen, Kale McCart, but like for the first overall, second overall, it, it just didn't. It, it, he's sure it's good, but it just didn't exist. Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of shows you right there. Uh, the number two, and I mean, who even knows where Mishkov goes? He might go four, might go five. Has the potential It'd to be, be a go joke. three, but. Uh, this is a guy that's going to be stuck over in Russia for, for a couple of years after his draft year. So he might not even go three. And we're talking just true talent-wise, he would be the number one overall pick if you just dropped him and do a couple of these prior draft classes. PSA to all NHL teams, all scouting staffs that listen to our show. I know you all do. I don't care 
that he's three years out from, from the NHL. There's a chance he's here sooner because he can get out of his, his KHL contract if he buys himself out, or maybe there's some clauses in there that we just don't know about. That's very possible because they don't make their contracts public, at least to us they don't. So that's something that is very possible, but even if he is there for three years, this isn't the NFL. This isn't the NBA. You're not drafting guys that need to play tomorrow. This is the NHL where you're drafting guys that need to play for you for the next 15 years. You're not drafting guys that if, if you take a guy, you know, in the first round and you get six years out of them in the NFL of very productive years, like it's a win for you. The NHL, if you get six years out of someone in the first round, that's, that's a loss. That's a major loss. So you, you got to keep in mind that I don't care if he's three years out. So you might take a guy that over him that would still be two years out anyway. Just go with the significantly better hockey player who is going to dominate once it comes over. Look what Kaprizov did. He fell in his draft when he shouldn't have. Even just like even though like he you know he's not the Mishkov level player, he still fell in the draft. Should, should have at least been you know late first or the second round type guy. But everyone's like, I don't know when he's coming over. Is he going to come over from the KHL? Well, he did, and look what he's doing. So. Just don't be silly, NHL teams, executives, scouting rooms. Just, just don't, don't be silly. Just don't get cute. Just take the good hockey player. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I mean, when I'm thinking about it, if I'm a younger GM who's really just uh, getting into that first or second year with the team, I feel like Mishkov would be a slam dunk because it keeps your team kind of lower levels. For the foreseeable future, you can go out, go get yourself a, a Celebrini, a Berkeley Catton next year, do something like that, and then maybe look for a Michael Misa or something in 2025. And then you can then bring in Matvey Mishkov, a 21 year old Matvey Mishkov who's been lighting up the KHL, and just drop him into the lineup. Like that would be a home run. 100%. 100%. All right. Let's uh before before we go to hockey name of the day, little update here. Oh my goodness. At the end of the first half, Florida Atlantic was up 31 to 25. They are now losing 37 to 33. So Mike, do you want do you want a little bit of update as well? Sure. I need you to be rooting for me here cuz I was looking at the odds um, and I saw they were down quite a bit. I'm like, you know what? Let's, let's go a little bit longer here. Put three bucks on a little mini parlay of the game still going on. I had a little odds boost too. So let's go, you know, FDU here. They were plus 900 at the time I took them. Indiana to cover plus six and a half. You know, live was minus 155. And TCU to cover plus four and a half was minus one time the game still starting. Um, and, you know, as of at the time, like the, the odds with the odds boost came out to plus. 3,668 because it was such a, you know, unlikely thing. And then they started this way. So now, now we're rolling. Um, they're offering me at one point they're offering me a quadruple cash out, um, based on my bet, but obviously I'm not taking $12 for my $3 bet. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want the hundred plus I can win. So make sure you're, you're riding with me here. Absolutely. Oh, my, my computer just updated and said the score is actually 37 to zero now. So FDU, oh. FDU really kicking the crap out of FAU. Yeah, that, that's that that's 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 tough. Who would have thought? All right, hockey name Who of the day. We got old Solog Bakic. Yeah, yes, sir. I'm um, trying to pull up his page here. Sorry, um, I, I was too busy looking at the scores, and now I can't read your numbers. But Solog Bakic, yes, sir. 
It's a very, very strange first name. I've never heard that like anywhere before. Mm-hmm. But our boy Zolag, um, 25-year-old American from Texas. Um, you know, I'm sure he has some European ancestors. That seems like it'd be a European name. But nonetheless, played a couple years of of Texas high school. Um, he, he is a forward, by the way, if I didn't say that. Played some Texas high school, played some AAA, played in the North American Hockey League, played in the USHL. Played four years of NCAA hockey at Notre Dame, and he just signed an ECHL contract with the Reading Royals. So he's had quite the glow up from playing Texas high school hockey, only having 13 points in 10 games, to playing NCAA Division One and getting a professional contract. So our boy Solak, who knows, maybe we see him work his way into the American League, maybe long shot we see him work his way to the NHL, or maybe we see him go have a prolific European career, or who knows, maybe the ECHL is his cap. I don't know now but we'll be keeping an eye on Solog. hey i'd love to see it i mean i think this is the coolest name we've had in quite some time Solog Bakic, loving it big fan yeah so they should be rooting for Solog, mike um and you know hope hopefully i can update you as i see him maybe moving up a couple teams would be beautiful all right that's gonna do it for the show i want to thank you so much for coming out and giving it a listen a long one we haven't had a, a bolts broadcast episode that's been this long and quite some time i guess we just went rambling we messed up our words here and there but nonetheless a longer episode hopefully you enjoyed chase if you could hit him with an outro well i know i enjoyed so i do want to appreciate you get or i do want to thank you guys appreciate you for listening that's that makes a lot more sense as, as he said the words jumbled so that makes more <laughs> sense uh, go follow us on twitter bulls broadcast go follow the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockey Make sure to go follow WNP and Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. Go support, you know, us. Go support the network. Go follow all of our brother and sister podcasts within the network as well. Make sure the hockeypodcastnetwork.com. You can find all about all the podcasts in the network right there. Boom. Click the logo. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Wherever you're listening, rate us five stars. Thanks for questions, comments, concerns. We'd appreciate it. Whatever you do, don't forget to use code THPN when you sign up for DraftKings. Thanks so much for stopping by. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.